1: Looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
2: They will think I'm a nutcase, so I'm not really ready yet to make that, uh, to step over that line. I I realize that, and that's a tough thing. But let me tell you, if you do not step over that line and trust Christ as Savior, listen to this next phrase. Your friends then will laugh at you for not or laughing because you want to become a Christian and all this stuff. They can laugh you into hell. And you're afraid of their laughter if you trust Christ. You don't trust Christ. So they laugh you into hell, but they can never laugh you out of hell. And so I urge you that whatever you think might happen when you trust Christ as Savior... I want you to know when you trust Him as Savior, whatever persecution that you have, Scripture says out of them all the Lord will deliver you. doesn't mean you won't have persecution. It just means that there will be such an experience of the intimacy with the Lord. You'll identify so much with Him. And that's why I want to start now. How do you handle rejection? And it's, it's a very important practical part of our message, but it's going to go verse by verse and sometimes phrase by phrase through this chapter. And I didn't want to rush through it. That's why I'm going to take a couple of weeks. So let's go back to John 15, if you haven't already, and go back to verse 18. Here's what it says again. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me and, be, and he, it hated me before it hated you. So number one, don't take it personally. When you are rejected because of your stand for Christ. I'm talking about that. And when I say that, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden you have to say, I believe in Jesus, and you get rejected. Some of it could be, you know what? Um, I, um, I can't do that any longer because I'm a believer in Christ. Or you make a decision on a value thing like, you know what? I'm, um, I've got to tell the truth on my taxes. Oh, no, you don't. they'll never know. I, I can't, I can't double dip on my insurance right here because I got two. I got to tell the truth. Oh no, you don't. Need, oh no, I got to do this. And all of a sudden, you're taking a stand for what is honest, decent, integrity. And now they have a problem with that because they're not. A lot of times, I'm seeing this in the workplace this week. Wait, you come in as a Christian in this job, and you come in with this desire to be the first one there, the last one to leave, that you work the hardest, you don't take extended time off. You don't abuse your little breaks. You don't take paper clips and pencils. You don't make private, personal copies on the copy machine. And the list could go on and on. And all of a sudden, your guys and gals you're working with are saying, don't, slow down a little bit. You're making us look bad. (laughs) And you're saying, no, I don't. Now, you don't even have to say you're a Christian. But you're living Christian principles. And this is what begins to happen to you. And all I can tell you again is don't take it personally because... Just like they rejected Christ, they're going to reject you and me. And so let me just encourage you that when you are going through these things, keep your focus on Jesus Christ. Lord, I am like you. And I want to be more like you. And I really love you. And I really care for you. Because they did that with him. Here's the second one, still in verse 18, but go to verse 19. It says this. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. And they do. We've talked about that. They're kind of in this together. Same view, same philosophy. They're in it together. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. So don't try to fit in. That's my point. You will never be able to fit in. So don't try to fit in. There was an actor by the name of James Wood. I don't watch his movies. I might have seen him in a TV show or two or maybe caught an old movie of his. I doubt he's even a believer in Christ. But he took some stands on... Some biblical principles of economics and socialization and right and wrong. He has not made a movie since. And a month ago, he was quoted as saying, I will never work, I'll never be able to work in Hollywood again. And he didn't even say, I'm a blood-bought, born-again believer in Christ and you all are going to hell if you don't trust Christ. He never said that. All he did was to begin to take a little bit more of a view, of a biblical view of what it talks about regarding the use of money, hard work, doing things right. And he just spoke about that. And all hell broke loose against him. So don't try to fit in. Why can't believers really fit in anyway? Number one is because we're holy. The word holy itself actually means to be separated, means to be pure and holy, but separated unto God. So as we're holy, we're going to have these issues. Now, I don't mean to be so holy that uh, we just uh, look down on our nose at everybody. We're so self-righteous. We're so uh, pseudo-spiritual that we make all the people around us feel guilty because we're always pointing that bony finger of wrath at everything that they do wrong. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about being condemnatory of the world. What we are trying to say is we will stand for what is right and we believe in this. The problem is this. Satan has got the world to, to do this to immediately then say... If those Christians believe this and you don't believe this, that means those Christians don't love you. Did you hear what I just said? That is so huge. Satan has got the world to believe that if the Christians take a stand for what is right and the world takes a different stand, Satan then says those Christians hate you. Read it in the papers, listen to it on television. Watch it when they go on TV with all these late night talk shows and that'll happen. Now, why do we know that that's true? Because Jesus says, I hate your sin. I hate your sin. It's wickedness. But I love you even while you're sinning. And I'm going to prove my love to you that in the midst of your sinning, I'm going to go to the cross to pay for your sin. What is that telling you? That he desperately loves the sinner. So Satan has got to mess all that stuff up. So that he can keep all these people into his camp. And it's only by God's sovereign grace that some get through all of that and they trust Christ as their Savior and get out of that mess. And that's what happens. So don't try to fit in. You'll never do that. They'll look at you and say, there's not a lot of difference. How can you go up to someone with a can of beer in one hand, a dopey cigarette in the next, and say, Jesus satisfies. You can't do that. It'll never work. Now if you go around and tell people you're going to hell because you do all of this kind of stuff, they'll never trust Christ. What you need to say is, you know, I'm a sinner and God loved me and there was a time in my life I recognized that He paid for my sin did as a sinner and I trusted Him for all the forgiveness of my sin. And you probably notice that there are things that I don't do now that I did then and there are things I'm doing now that I didn't do then and you know why I do that? I don't do that to put you down or the world down. I don't do that so I can get into heaven. I don't do that so I can stay a Christian. You know why I do that? It's just my way of just saying to the Lord, Lord, I love you, and I want to say thank you for what you've done for me on the cross. It's my way to show my appreciation back to God. So don't try to fit in. We're holy. We're separate. The best way to go shark fishing is stay in the boat. Don't jump in the water. The second is... It's because Jesus Christ is the light of the world and because he's the light, we are the light. And as long as we're light, we will be exposing darkness. Now, I didn't say people. I'm talking about the wickedness of the world and the system. Isn't it interesting? Watch this now. Darkness can never snuff out light, but life, light can snuff out darkness. Darkness doesn't dispel light, but light dispels darkness. So if the world loves darkness, they don't need to get darker to get rid of us. What they've got to do is to try to extinguish the light. And so they spend the rest of their careers or however they want to live their life in some measure to try to extinguish the light, but they can't do it. And so as long as you shine brightly for the Lord and you don't hide your light under a bushel, you're going to find that the world will try to blow out that light. And I hope it doesn't happen. The third is, why they tell us we can't fit in, is because we are salt. We are salt. I'm told this, and I'm, I'm grateful that my wife is such a good cook, but, but I'm told that if you put too much salt in your food, other than maybe really diluting it, there's nothing you can do to kind of overcome the salt. In other words, if you put salt in there, what can you do to get, get that salty taste out? Well, you've got to add some other stuff to it to maybe overcome it, but you can't you can't all of a sudden say, I gotta get the salt out. And why am I saying that? Is because we are the salt of the world. And because we're the salt, we are going to have an effect on the world. And when we do, we can't fit in. So because we're holy and because we're light, we can't fit in, and the bottom line is don't try to fit in. Now, I'm gonna give you some hope because some of you might feel, do you know, Stan, how alone I'm gonna be on my job? In the barracks, on my ship, in my office, on the field, on the construction site, in the classroom, in my neighborhood, at the family reunion? Do you realize how alone that I will be if I do this, if I totally surrender to the Lord? Do you realize how that I will be left out of so much? Well, we who are Christian and at times chose to live for the Lord, we know what that feels like. Some of that actually is good because when we are alone, that's when we have the distractions removed and we can center down on Christ. And so don't try to fit in. We'll never be able to officially fit in. I want to give you an assignment for those of you that want to go a little bit further. I want you to read the book of Acts. I know it's a little long book, but maybe between now and next week, In your quiet time, set aside all the other stuff you're reading and listening to and just open up like a virgin Bible and read the book of Acts. And when you read it, I want you to read this. I want you to read that the first person persecuted was Jesus. And then I want you to read the fact that after Jesus, he was preparing his disciples for them then to be persecuted. So he gave them the Spirit. I'll talk more about that in the future. But then you'll notice the first person that was killed... For Christ was Stephen. And then, as you go through the rest of the book of Acts, what you're going to find is a political, economic, and religious, catch those three words, a political, economic, and religious world system that came against Christians individually and by a group to try to extinguish them. And as as there were those that died, there were those that went to jail that we never don't even know their names. We know that there are those that had their heads chopped off, don't even know their names. We know that certain things happen. But even then, the light of the glorious gospel was going out. People were getting saved. And we have Christianity today, no matter how much it was tried to be snuffed out. So I want you to know, it can happen. It happened then, it happened now. So just read through the book of Acts. And you mark your own Bible, how much persecution went. And then when you see, you look at those Christians, how that they kind of banded together for Christ. And they didn't give up for him. So number two is don't try to fit in. Number three is don't try to avoid the rejection. Don't try to avoid rejection. Look in verse 20, the first part of it. It says, remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. Now some of you might be thinking, okay, maybe the reason I'm being persecuted is that I'm not handling my Christian life or my Christian belief system good enough. If I was a better Christian, I wouldn't get persecuted. If I knew Scripture even better, I wouldn't be so persecuted. You know what's so neat about this verse is? Even if you were as good as Christ, in other words, you, were, you were Christ, completely Christ, you would still be persecuted. And He is the master and we're the slave and we'll never be as good as Christ, we'll never be better than Christ, so that no matter what we do, it's never going to matter because He still was persecuted. And so the point is, don't try to avoid it. You will never be able to run from persecution unless you basically abandon your faith. Maybe not in your heart to say, I reject Christ and go for the world, but it could be just an outward sign of a, of a rejection of Him because you'll never be like Christ. I'll never be like Christ. It'll never happen. So don't try to avoid rejection. Stand up to it. Number four, and the final one, is remember the rejection is not universal. The last part of verse 20 says this, Remember the word that I said to you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. As I went through Acts, I was going to give you a whole list of all this, but I thought it would be better for you to do your own. I found so many of these Christians that took a stand for the Lord, I felt like, you know what, I'm in pretty good company. I have pages here of notes of people in the last couple of years that were horribly persecuted for their faith. Just pages of them, one after the other. And I felt like, I'm an American, I'm barely being persecuted here. These people are suffering a whole lot. So I decided as I went through this that, you know, I'm just going to give it to you in the last month. So let me just read to you what good company that you're in. The latest is coming from one that's been on in in, uh, television a lot lately, and it's Pastor Saeed Abedini. How many of you have heard of him, the Iranian pastor? Just this last week, he was in prison, been there for a year, a hellhole in Iran. He went to Iran to help build orphanages with the permission of the Iranian government. But because they found out that he was a pastor, I'm making this story short, they decided to prosecute him and they gave him eight years in an Iranian prison. But in this last week, Some of the family members who live in Iran went to go visit him in the prison. When they got to him there, they found out that they moved him to a worse prison. They put him in a 10 by 10 cell with five other murderers and rapists. And the idea then is because he is a Christian, thinking that he's going to now begin to speak for Christ among guys that are so depraved and so filled with uh, uh, an ideology, a religious ideology... That they then will do what the state won't do for political reasons. These guys will kill him because of his stand for Christ. Now our president had a talk with the president of Iran. Went nowhere. The family and others bumped into some high-ranking people. That didn't work. So if you take a stand for Christ, you're not going to a 10 by 10 cell today. But whatever you go through, you're in good company. That happened on November 6th, just a few days ago. On the same day... There's a Christian woman who has been a prisoner because she's decided to take a stand for Christ. And then on November 6th, she died in prison. In Kenya, there was a church that was set ablaze by rioters. Militant Muslims did this. In Nepal, a Christian was killed while he was praying for his very attacker. In Nigeria, there's a Christian area, a large Christian area called Kano, but in Nigeria, they decided to enact Sharia law. And so they're going after all the Christians in every way that they can. In Egypt, three were killed on October 23rd at a Christian wedding. On October 9th, two Indonesian Christians were sentenced to three years behind bars for hard labor just because they wanted to share a simple gospel track with somebody. Now, I'm saying we don't have that here and there may be more to the story than what we're hearing that I have time to give to you. But the bottom line... These are people that decided to take a stand for righteousness for Jesus Christ and in some measure trying to help others because of Christ, for the cause of Christ and their suffering persecution. So we're not alone. So what do we do? I'm going to give you four suggestions of what we can do. Number one, we can pray for them. And I hope that we do. Especially the pastor who is in jail right now in Iran. Pray for them. Write that down. Pray for them. I need to pray for these I can't pray for everyone, but I can pray for those that I hear about. I'm going to pray for them. The second is, we can learn from them. When I read these stories, I was trying to think, what would I learn from this? What what would be one thing I could take back from these guys? There's one word. It's perseverance. It means, don't lower my flag and my banner for anything. These did not lower it so they would get less persecution. I don't know that they raised it higher to get more persecution. I just think they just took a stand. It was raised to the top of the flagpole and they just let it fly. And then all hell broke loose against them. They persevered. I hope that I will persevere no matter what the result will be and leave that up to the Lord. Number three is we can give to them. Now one thing I like about our church, many things, but one of them is this, is that when you guys give, that money goes into our general account And then from that, we give 10%, sometimes a little more, to missions. And we've got some missionaries that are serving in countries that are on the brink of some tremendous persecution. Let me give you some names. John Cook, a ministry in Egypt, certain parts of India, in Jordan, areas that are on the the very edge of a movement against Christianity. And he goes there to equip those pastors and those leaders to stand strong for Christ no matter what's happened. We've invited him to come in January to be our winter Bible conference. And I can't wait to hear the stories of men and women and families who persevered. Remember that word. The second is Brenton Howerton. One of our youth guys that grew up and called into ministry. And now he is serving in a country I don't want to tell you right now. With student leaders helping them to stand strong in secular universities for Christ because they are the future emerging leaders of their Muslim countries. I'm thinking of Doug Custer who goes into some of the Eastern European blocks and some areas where there's tremendous amount of persecution, trying to plant churches there with missionaries, and he can't tell me any more than that because it's so secret just to protect life. And then I have Paul Hutton who's working somewhat in the jungles of South America with some people that are trying to reach those gorillas in the jungle who hate God, hate everything about God. And then we have Russ Simons who's not only in the Philippines dealing with that Muslim onslaught but he's also working in other countries incognito. We've got Rick Griffith. Now Griff, Rick is a Pretty safe, I'll tell you. He teaches in a safe seminary. teaches on a doctoral level ministry in Singapore. So he doesn't have a lot. But what he is doing is this. He is training guys, men and women, to go back into their Asian countries that's saturated with an anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-Bible philosophy to stand strong. I need to pray for these guys. I need to give to these guys. And then I think of Mike and Jed Miguel. Again, they're not just in the Philippines. They're in the most dangerous part of the Philippines known as Mindanao. Trying to reach those people who are so enslaved to a godless philosophy. And this godless is also, they just don't believe in God. They believe that Christians ought to be killed. So we can certainly pray for them, learn from them, give to them. But one more thing we can do and that is we can speak out for them. I don't do this very often, but not only do I want to speak out for my faith and that I'm a Christian, I don't only want to speak out for biblical values, if it means going to City Hall or Washington, D.C., but I also want to speak out, whether it's writing letters, sending emails, writing a blog, doing something that I can to let this world know that there is not only... Civil rights violations. Civil rights might mean you lose your job. You don't get promoted. Civil rights. But there's human rights violation where you're being tortured for your faith, for something that you believe, where Christians aren't doing that to others, that it ought to be live and let live, but it's not. It's live and let die for Christians. So I hope that I would speak out more for Christ. I want to leave you with this quote from Chuck Colson. He's in heaven now, and here's what he wrote before he died. He said, It's a time for us to use our churches to cry out in defense of fellow believers across the world. What could each of us do? We could write our political leaders demanding that they reform American policy and make persecution of Christians a priority when negotiating with other countries. End quote. We live in a pretty safe country for now. Perhaps we all uh, be called to arms, and our arm is our pen and our computers, and let our written and our verbal voice be heard. Let's pray, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, I do thank you for this one that indicated by an uplifted hand that they are trusting you as Savior. I thank you that they can have a no so salvation, not a hope so salvation. Because you said if we believed in you, we will never perish. But we will have everlasting life. And we have it right now. I pray that they'd get a Bible and read it and see that what we said is true from your word. Especially as we begin our study on persecution. That the more Christ-like we will be, the more hated we will be by the world. And Father, I pray that they talk to you in prayer. We're not little stilted. Now i lay me down to sleep speeches, but a real daughter to a father son to a father conversation. I pray that they would meet together with other Christians of like-minded to realize that we are not alone, that there are thousands, hundreds of thousands of other Christians that are taking a stand for you no matter the cost. And that, Father, that that will give encouragement to us. And I pray that they too will do like millions of others, that when they came to faith in Christ, they wanted to tell someone else about this brand new present, this gift that they received. Because it was the best gift they'd ever received. And they wanted others to know it. I pray for those in here that want to stretch a little bit more for Christ, want to separate more from the world by separating more to you, Lord, that don't want to dance with the devil, that they don't want to have their foot in Christianity and the other foot in the world, that they want to be sold out for you. And I pray for all of us that we don't seek persecution, we just seek holiness, and that we would be the light and salt for this world, no matter what comes then, Father, we pray for those Christians on the cutting edge, especially in countries that are so opposed to you and Christianity that they would do violence to those who believe. And then, Father, I pray for the whole Christian church that we would not be doing stupid things that bring persecution on the name of Christ just because we're, we're choosing to live a duplicit life. So help us, Father, to be genuine and authentic and our love for the world while we still hate